Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hey, Eric, how are you doing today? Good morning, or good evening, or good afternoon, or whatever time it is. Yeah, I mean, I think we usually have people kind of from all over the place, so I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, You ready to talk about some cold calling? As I ever am. It is a beautiful day in Zen Y, so we got a cold call. I mean, I think it's the, I really think it's the year of the cold call, right? Like, so excited to run through this call today, and thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I mean, I know everyone's been seeing all the stuff about the email changes and so many other channels getting saturated. I think 2024, we get back to basics, we start nailing some cold calls, you're going to be blowing your number out of the water in a way that you probably won't be able to otherwise. So yeah, that's what today's call is all about. Welcome to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show. Um, Today we're talking about building a high converting cold call framework. So we'll talk about what that means in a moment. But first, please let us know where you're calling in from today, everybody, um, and how much snow you have on the ground if you do Eric might have the winning number so far with the the 24 inches, but if you have more than that, okay, Milwaukee, 16, nice, nice. Um, Minneapolis, one, ooh, yep. Los Angeles, zero. Los Angeles. And in Miami. I miss it. I miss it. I used to live in LA for 15 years. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, you know what? The phones are hot, so that, you know, it should, should get everybody warmed up. Uh, mostly ice. Nashville, seven inches. Wow. All right. Well, you guys are all a lot like I am. Um, go have some snowball fights after this. Um, but yeah, super excited to chat through our cold call framework show today. Um, first, would like to introduce our guest, Eric Ionello. Um, Eric is a very experienced rep. I mean, he's currently the founder of Cold Catalyst Sales. He helps outbound teams build out their playbooks and systems. But he's also done thousands and thousands of his own cold calls. So he's really been in the trenches. He understands what it takes to do a strong cold call. And he also has the benefit of having worked with a bunch of different companies for building their outbound motions. So he knows how to kind of do this at scale, which is kind of what prompted our call today, right? Like one script is going to be very specific to one problem in one situation. And that won't really work for everybody. So as we're teaching everybody how to run better cold calls, that's how we're going to get into our scripting, which I'm super excited about. Um, before we go on to that, I mean, you're already here, you already know we do these shows every single day. There's so much value to learn. If you're looking to level up your sales game this year, which I know we all are, um, be sure to scan that QR code, check out our website and see what upcoming shows we have. And then we also, you know, to Sun Demand have a lot of, um, different clips of stuff on YouTube where you can go learn and hone your skills. Um, before we move on, just a very special thank you to our partners. So Apollo. Pillar and Exactly have made today's show possible. Um, and so the drop of the day, be sure to check out the link in the chat to see what Exactly is all about. Got a lot of exciting things cooking here. All right. So jumping into our agenda, a few main topics that we're going to tackle today. Um, but first, we're going to send out a poll if you could let us know who's in the room. So we want to know if you're an FCR out on the front lines. If you're an AEE, you know, maybe trying to generate some more of your own pipeline, frontline manager, let us know. That's going to help us guide this conversation. Um, But yeah, in terms of what we're talking about today, first, we're going to talk about why frameworks are more effective than scripts when it comes to figuring out your cold calls. Um, Then we're going to talk through each of the components of a cold call so we can help you figure out how to approach each of them. Because if you can get each of those components really nailed in, you're going to be solid no matter what comes up on the call. 
And then finally, we're going to have some fun and put Eric in the hot seat and have him run through some objection handling. So if there are any objections that you need help with, anything that you want us to try out, be sure to throw them in the Q&A. And when we get to the end, uh, we will test Eric. We'll put him in some cold call scenarios and see how he responds. How are you feeling about that, Eric? I earned this hairline. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, well, as we're stepping into it, it looks like we have mostly SDRs and AEs in the room. Also some, you know, managers and senior leadership. Looks like right. you need to change things for their team. So, yeah, you're the cold call. I'm calling it. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Can't wait to dive in. Um, Eric, if you want to start us off, why is a framework more effective than a script? We all hear about cold calling scripts. Why Why is that not too helpful? Gosh, um, great question. So let's let's talk about the overarching thing, right? What has not worked, right? We're, we're moving away from the spray and pray. We're moving away from the rinse and repeat. And we're looking to kind of develop a better business acumen in today's market, right? It's all about the 1% seller to break through the noise. How do we do that? Well, we have a good foundation to build the framework on top of, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I look at this, right? If I get handed, if I'm a new rep or if I'm an individual breaking into a new market, vertical, whatever that may be, I handed a script that was good for you. Does it sound like me? Does it transmit like me? Am I understanding what I'm saying? Can I pivot if in case the prospect fear is left and I need to go right? Am I checking all the boxes off? There's just too many points of failure that if you want to rewind and look in the actual framework and have an understanding, aka business acumen or whatever buzzword you want to insert, then you're going to be ready for no matter what the scenario is. I can sit back and have a better conversation where it's equal rather than me kind of just kitchen and hoping that they swing and a miss. It's just, there's too many variables in the, in the sense of failure for scripts. Plus they just sound bad. Yeah. Just, so I agree. The way I see it too, it's like your script relies, like I'm assuming that my prospect is going to say exactly the answer I need. And if I've just memorized my script and I'm just like running through it and hope, and then you say something different, I'm like, I don't know how to respond to that. Whereas with the framework, you get really, really comfortable with each part of the call. And so you're confident with how you can approach that no matter which way. And then from there, you're good to go. Like no matter what the prospect says, like you've got an answer. Um, but also what Eric said, like I, Eric and I used to work together. We used to run cold calls together. And some things Eric's, Eric would say on his calls, like didn't sound right. If I said that, it just wasn't really my personality. It didn't fit my tone. And so you kind of got to adapt that to your, to your own self. Um, so how did you start like developing cold call frameworks? By failure. Um, Gosh, I, I, I use a controversial cliche, I guess, is I kept on getting caught with my pants down, right? Like I would be on a cold call, I would sit there and I knew exactly what they needed, right? The ICP, the prospect, whatever, whoever I'm calling, I knew what they needed. They just didn't know it yet. So I was there to teach them. That's not how to conduct a cold call. It's not the same ideology that you need to come into. So what I did was the wrong way of sitting here going, I've got the shiny objects, you want me. When really... What I was understanding was, is where I was falling or failing was when they were going, well, what about this avenue? And you're going, oh crap, I don't have that page. Oh shoot. Hold on. And you just, you get caught with your pants down, right? Deer in the headlights is I guess less controversial way to put it. But so what I did was I, I started to realize that I don't really know who I'm talking to, right? I knew what I was saying. I knew what I was selling to a certain extent, or my main objective was to get them to a meeting, but like how to navigate and having that roadmap to actually get to that final destination. I mean, you could have led a, you know, a, a, the blind astray. I, I just, I had no navigational sense whatsoever. Yeah. And 
from my perspective, and I'm curious to hear your take on this, I think a leading cause of call reluctance of like why we as reps like don't want to pick up the phone and make those calls is because we're not confident with what we're going to say, right? Because if you feel like you know you can handle any situation, it doesn't matter what the prospect says. You're good to go. But if you're not super confident and you're only fine if it goes a certain way, then you're going to have that reluctance to pick up the phone. Would you agree? Oh, 110%. I think the, the, the overarching theme of confidence comes with understanding, right? Whether that be the product that I'm pushing, the objective I'm trying to peddle, whatever that may be. I actually kind of came from a different perspective in the sense of like when I got my aha moment was like, I actually know who I'm talking to, right? Like I also know how I sell. I know who I am and how to kind of really capitalize on that motion uh, to obviously, you know, get to the main objective. But then ultimately speaking, I, I know who my ICP is. I know who my prospect is on the other side. I can understand the why, the what, the hows before we get to that kind of midpoint of going, where are we going from here, right? So, uh, so taking like three steps back in order to take five forward was kind of the, the, uh, the theme there. Yeah, absolutely. So we're about to jump into the different stages of a cold call. Um, and for everyone in the audience, I'd like to encourage you as we're talking through these to think about how this relates to your specific situation. So when we're talking about the pre-research or the intro or whatever it may be, um, go through and try and think about how you would apply this to your ICP, to the product that you're selling. Because unfortunately, like we can give you all the scripts and the magic here that we can, but part of it is going to require just practicing. You're going to have to pick up the phone. You're going to have to try it yourself. So want you to start getting in the mindset of like doing that deliberate practice and understanding how this is going to relate to you. So let's jump in here to the stages of a cold call. And if you can get really comfortable with each of these stages with regards to your own specific sales process, picking up the phone isn't going to seem so scary anymore. So Eric, can you run us through these and kind of how to approach each one? Yeah. Pre-research is kind of developing, and I'm going to use the buzzword business acumen for uh, a lack of a better uh, developing an understanding of what you are selling, who you are as a seller, I think is probably something that I didn't learn until far later in my career, who my ICP is and what they are. I guess more than just the title they bear or the project they're overseeing or the position that they hail. Like there's so much more to the understanding of like, what are we actually, what's our main objective here? Um, and I guess service level pre-research could be as little as, you know, having a quick cheat sheets in order so that way we can kind of have a quick pivot if in case they veer left, right, or in between. Uh, introduction, right? I think this is where many kind of go awry or there's a lot of controversial conversation between what works better, PBO, steamroll, et cetera, et cetera. I look at this introduction as to what's what, what are we doing here, right? Like this is where the first 10 to 30 seconds is where everybody loses this conversation. It's the make or break phase. Everyone's worried about the CTA and having the perfect value prop when really the introduction needs to be just chef's kiss. Uh, so I look at it as how does it actually like project who you are or are you able to kind of enable your strengths, capabilities and yourself through the introduction? Uh, the hook is the gotcha. Right. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll stop real quick to let you interject. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. But Well, I, I've said one thought on the pre-research and then the introduction. So the pre-research um, wanted to ask like, how can people get more familiar with their ICPs? Because I think that's a really big one here. I don't want to gloss over it. Um, knowing who you're calling and knowing what they care about. And then ideally, at the end of pre-research, you want to have a reason for picking up the phone, not just because your manager told you I didn't hit 50 dials. Like, why am I picking up the phone to call Eric right now? So do you have any advice on really understanding that ICP and having a reason for calling? 
yeah, have a conversation with them. <laughs> I, I, I certainly, I'll take my own example. I never had a simple conversation with the ICP unless it was during a cold call with an objective. I never had a conversation open-ended with no pitch, no heart at my sleeve, whatever that may be. I never had a, like an honest conversation with them until I was kind of forced to adapt to that when we were, you know, kind of in an early stage company together and we were kind of testing out different ICPs. I'm like, I don't, I don't know them to Joe. And then I took a different approach. I actually reached out to them. I was like, Hey, no strings attached. And I just had a 30 minute conversation to, to develop a better why of how of this and that. And, uh, and of course my caveat was like, I'll, you know, contribute a little to a, uh, uh, a charity of your choice. So it's obviously it wasn't it for me. But that just blew my mind to show like, I had no idea how they spoke, where the majority of their time was dealt with. It just, it opened up so many avenues that I later used in my, my approach. But, um, yeah, yeah having that understanding was, was quite essential to me. If you don't have that ability or availability, uh, to do that, th talk to your manager, talk to leadership, talk to people within your own organization that do a very similar role and have that kind of conversation. And I just want to say, like, I, I know you're, if you're listening, you're probably thinking like, wow, that sounds like a ton of work. It is. But that is what sets you apart. Like, if you want to be a top performer, if you want to, if you really want to stand out from the rest, this is how you do it. it, yeah, when it um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, it's not a lot of time because the, the few 30 minutes, like three, you have a pretty good idea, right? So that's an hour and a half out of your day, or it should be even 30 minutes out of your day if you space it out wise enough. But the latter effect or like the actual ROI, if we want to use the buzzwords, it, you're, you're talking about click the hook, line and sinker. I'm, I'm getting stuttered because I'm so excited about this. But yeah, I'm very, very passionate about conversation. Uh, it's a game changer. All right. So heading into the introductions, I know you mentioned this briefly, like permission based openers or just opening right up. I want to hear from everyone in the chat. Are you using permission-based openers? You just jump right into it. What's your approach? And Eric, wh what is your philosophy on this as these answers come in? There's no wrong answer. Um, and, and I'm a big believer of certain ones kind of veer better in certain verticals or whatever have you. I look at it this. Do you feel comfortable in delivering it? Does it sound like something that you would say in a normal aspect of a conversation? And does it land, right? I think those are the three measurable criteria that you can, that you can measure an uh, introduction on. Um, I myself, you know, I kind of laugh at myself. I've never gone up to somebody and asked them 30 seconds, whether it's at a grocery store or just in a random circumstance, to then later ask them another question. So me personally, I prefer a, a steamroll or whatever that, that terminology is and just go from introduction to that immediate first question. And it leaves them no, no time to disqualify themselves per se. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a mix of answers in the call too. Like people say, depending on their tone, when they say hello, like sometimes, sometimes they don't sometimes. Um, and I want to come back to Frank, your question about opening your intro with pre-research. But I think a big key here is you got to learn what works for you. And again, that's going to take reps. Also, if, if you're not like quite ready to pick up the phone, like record yourself running through some of these intros and listen See what feels natural. See, yeah. Okay, Eric, I can, I can see you perking up here. Um, I think this Big is a piece of advice from a while ago, but you just got to practice and then you got to give it a listen. Send it some friends to listen. Say what feels more natural, what feels more whatever. So these little bits of legwork at the beginning are going to pay off in dividends throughout the rest of your cold calling career. Uh, to that point, though, on recording, it's not just on call recordings. One of my favorite tips that I always give you know people that I talk to or even myself is record yourself on Zoom watching your body mannerisms as you actually go through 
the different scripts or whatever kind of framework that you have developed and watch how you talk. Are you yourself? Because we talked through our body posture, right? Like, if I sound like this and I'm hunkered over, like that's what it's going to sound like most more, more times than not, right? So watch yourself as you're talking. Do you have to pace around the room? Like, are you actually being yourself through that? So uh, when you said record, I'm like, let, let's double down on that because there's so much more than just listening to yourself on, on Gong or any, any recording device. And again, these are the steps where you know, it work, but most reps aren't willing to do it. Like, this is how you really set yourself apart. Um, as we're jumping into the hook, I want to answer Frank's question. Do you ever open up the intro with pre-research? Eric, do you, are you like when you're opening the call, are you mentioning specifically like, you know, because I saw XYZ, here's why I'm calling you? Or how do you generally incorporate that information you learn? That's an interesting one. Um, I don't. I don't personally, although I know a lot of people that use it successfully. I think, again, it's kind of one of those ICP statures. Like it, it kind of, some it works really well with. Some, it doesn't so much. My my main ICP is salespeople. So I'm talking to people like ourselves. So they know kind of like if I were to open up, hey, I see your sales tool. It, it doesn't land as well as maybe like an engineer or a DevOps who are very, I don't know, maybe, maybe that would land very, very well. So again, I hear a lot of people using it. I think it's awesome because it shows, obviously you did the prior research that you put in the effort that you're obviously calling me rather than just next to your list. So big fan, uh, but personally, I haven't, I haven't leveraged it too much. Okay. And some of this will be dependent on your market too, like the person you're selling to, like Eric mentioned. And I also know there are regional differences. Like I know in certain, you know, I've had coworkers in other countries where they've said, you know what, people here are generally more receptive to very direct opening versus in some places it might be a little bit more of like a, a chatty conversation. So learning your market and what people are receptive to is super important as well. Great call out. Can we jump into the hook? What does that look like? Oh man. I, uh, so I think, I think the hook is an overused term in the sense it's like it, the hook can be one of four things, right? Like the relevancy of why I'm calling, it could be my first question. That's like that hard hitting question. It could be a pain point that is commonly, whatever that may be, could be the hook. What the hook is trying to do is entice a conversation, right? Is to right. captivate the ICP or the prospect, whatever you want to use that terminology, try to capture their attention in order to open up the conversation. Because again, the first 10 to 30 seconds is statistically proven. It's a word I never use, but needless to say, that is where it's most proven to lose or gain the attention. So within that, it's like fishing, right? Hook, line, and sinker is a term that we'll probably use more than once on this conversation, but that, that's where I want to gain their attention. How I do that, I personally, I like to give them a funnel-based question. And it's just a term I made up one day and I can't let go of it. Two opposing ideals in a sense that I, that I saw for initially, right? So I'll, I'll give them a question, a hard hitting question, right? Like, um, are you looking to generate more revenue or are you looking to generate more pipeline, right? It's a similar solve, no matter which way they answer, will come to my solve, in which case we'll obviously elaborate on, but it kind of entices their engagement. So that's how I hook. Others like Frank use prior research. Uh, relevancy is a common one. Uh, sometimes, you know, joke or something I've seen be used. So there's so many out there, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, enticing with the question and just getting to the point. So the way to think about the hook, it's like, you've gotten them on the phone, whether you did a permission based opening or you just ran right into it, you know, you've kind of gotten the go ahead to speak just a little bit longer and you're trying to earn the right to get into more of a pitch and an ask. So this is something that needs to be compelling, that needs to entice them to like, okay, you know what? Sure, I'm curious. I want to hear more. And so again, like I, I wish we could just say like, here's the magic words you use. So this is going to work for everybody. 
But this is something that'll take some experimenting. So if you're an SDR, for example, and you have access to call recordings of your 80s demos, like watch some of those, understand what sort of pain points people generally deal with. Why do people generally have these conversations? Try and get to the bottom of what people are generally looking to your solution for, and then incorporate that into the hook because you know that's probably going to be interesting to that ICP. So going to take a little bit of research, but once you have a few of those sorted out, you can test them out, see what gets you the most response rates, and kind of go from there. All right, so up next, the pitch. How do you run with it? <laughs> pitch. I uh, I may come across a little differently. I, some view it as old school. I don't know. It just It's what works for me. So I'll, I'll kind of use that kind of as the, the underlying uh, basis of this conversation. What works for me, I don't pitch. I try to peel back and poke as many holes in the bucket and try to show as many leaks that they have. Or let me put it this way. Try to ask questions that they kind of poke holes in their own bucket that by the very end of it, right, that the golden goose would be, they're shaking me going, dude, what's the fix? What's the fix, right? Like that's, that's, that's the goal, right? That's the perfect call. So instead of actually coming in with a pitch of going, well, since you told me that you're looking to generate more revenue, what XYZ company does, it's dry. It doesn't work in my opinion. And in this industry, people don't want to buy. They certainly don't want to be sold to. So it's, it's this weird kind of, I don't know, matrix that we live in. So instead of actually having a hard pitch of coming through, of going, my company does prop value Y, and this is because of relevant CZ. And the reason I think it would be like, that's, that's, that's showing. I'm like, Hey, Eric, you like trucks. How about you buy this Chevy? That's blue. It's like, no, dude, Yeah, you kind of have to VM into that. So I use a kind of compound of different questions, closed-ended, open-ended, uh, confirmation questions, funnel-based questions. So by the end, I'm like, hey, you know what would be really interesting, right? It's almost like we've come to this together. We didn't, right? Like I always had a trick up my sleeve. So the prop value is not necessarily in the sense of like my company solves for, it's more of like, hey, do you want to actually explore this? Right? Like that's the objective. Um, so yeah, I guess in the sense of like, let, let's use a company, right? Like cold catalyst sales. You know, my goal is to generate more pipeline to build and test and deploy an outbound motion that will be just chef's kiss, right? But I'm not going to tell them, like, I've got all the questions, I've got all the answers, I've got all the solves. I want at the very end just be like, hey, are you curious to explore this more? Like, I actually, you know, kind of know what to do in this kind of circumstance. Um, so, yeah, long winded answer, tangented a whole bunch and bounced around and peeping brain, but hopefully got <laughs> an idea of how I pitch. Yeah, I like that a lot. So basically the goal is to get them to highlight the pain that they have. So instead of saying, oh, you know what? I bet you're struggling with this. It's like you ask, of course, they're always going to be somewhat leading questions, but you're going to kind of right. guide down that path and ask about the things that you know most people in their situation struggle with. So get them to, you know what? That is kind of a problem. That is kind of a problem. And then you're right. Eventually, like, are you, okay, wait, so what? why are you calling me? Can you help me with this? Like, actually, yeah. Do you, do you want to talk more? Um, I want to hear from everyone in the chat. Do you pitch? Do you have like a, you know, kind of here's what we do now that you're interested or do you kind of approach it like Eric does? Um, kind of curious what what people are are using out there, but that's something I wouldn't incorporate more into my calls. Do you have any advice for people trying to figure out what those questions look like? Like, how do you go about figuring out what to ask to kind of lead them down that path? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one is tonality, right? Like, how am I sounding when I go down it? Does it sound natural? Does it sound like I'm trying to force a square peg into a circle? Like whatever that may be, does it feel like I'm forcing the conversation or am I responding, leading the conversation to a different one, right? And I kind of look at this as like a seller's journey versus buyer's journey. If you're having a conversation and you're kind of going, oh, interesting, is this, you know, and follow-up question. 
that's a much more natural flow about it. Now, if I'm kind of sitting there and I'm trying to force somebody like, hey, man, you talked about revenue, but you know what? Closing, you know, pipeline is, it just, it doesn't work out. So tonality, guiding the conversation. And then ultimately speaking, is just like, is this worth my time as a rep, right? As a rep, because we always think about like, yep. everything's got to be on the sellers or to be on the buyers, time, right? We're sitting there kind of with like knocking on their door or whatever kind of cliche you're using. Is it, is it worth your time, right? Are you trying to force that square peg into the circle, right? And I've got a two-year-old son, so excuse the analogy. But the point is like, are, are we just trying to force the meeting? Because it's not going to go. Yeah. Oh, no, I think that's brilliant. I think a lot of times we get in this scarcity mindset as reps. Like, oh my gosh, somebody answered the phone. I have to try to convince them like no matter which way I can. But if it's going to be a waste of your time and it's going to be worse, you know, an AE's time and it's not going to go anywhere, like it's just not the right fit. So I think that's a brilliant mindset. Um, I know we hadn't planned to talk too much about this, but just briefly, how can people get into that mindset of like looking to disqualify rather than just like hold on to every little thing that comes our way? Yeah. I have a, of course, another terrible analogy. Uh, it's 30 seconds of their inconvenience or it's your paycheck, right? That's my mentality coming into it. Like everyone kind of sits there and they're like always in a permission state. I am talking up to them. They are somebody that is in my way to get my commission. They are, and I'm looking at it going, no, I'm having a conversation. I'm talking with them, right? Like I'm having a conversation with another human that has probably the same insecurities, the same nuances, the same anxieties. It's a very similar playing field. Sure, different stature, different hierarchy, but needless to say, it is 30 seconds of their inconvenience. It, it, if I do disqualify it, I just open up five more minutes to call another more qualified person. Um, and if at the very end of it, if I didn't get to the objective of booking the meeting or pumping pipelines, then say la vie, what did I learn? Right. Uh, I think that's really helpful too with the mindset. I feel like sometimes those reps are like, ah, uh, I don't want to make a cold call because I'm just going to be bugging somebody. But at the end of the day, if we're only really trying to carry out conversations with people we can help and we're making sure to let the people go that we can't help, that's a totally different story. Now it's not, oh, I just called Eric and I'm bugging him. It's like, I'm actually getting to the bottom of if there's a problem he has that we can help with. And if there is, I'm going to keep pushing. And if there's not, I'm going to let him go. So that's perfect. Um, we had some people respond to the pitch question. It looks like Frank leans in with the challenge question. Um, using a question before the hook is helpful. Frank also recommends thin selling questions, which is where you highlight the situation, pain, implication, and net benefit. That's awesome. Um, Hannah mentioned pain point based, you know, questions, speaking the prospect's language, not your company's. That's a huge one. And that's a big benefit of like having those conversations with your prospects and ICPs. And you can learn how they talk about it, not how your marketing team talks about it. Um, yeah, amazing. Okay, cool. So now we're going to jump into some of the components of building a framework. So we talked about the different stages of the call, and hopefully that should give you a start where you can kind of bucket each of those um, different sections and thinking about how you'd want to approach them. Um, but now let's jump into some of the other aspects here. So we already talked about um, understanding your ICP a little bit, but I like how you mentioned understanding where they live, how they talk, who are they outside of the sales motion. Can we dig into that just a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. How, uh, you know, and I look at this as, you know, uh, who are they as an individual, right? And I don't want to ever classify somebody in the sense of if they are a certain title, they must be like, but I could actually come in with a pre preconceived notion of like how this may go. Right. And that's just simple exposure. And so when I talk to somebody, you know, generally speaking in an open conversation, i.e. like one of those open-ended conversations for 30 minutes, but I'm just trying to learn who they are, what they are and, and, and of that nature. 
but help me help me understand who you are outside of a sales motion because all i'm doing is like how can i sell to them what are they receptive to what do they lean in on and it's all kind of with the basis of like how can i take the advantage of when really i want to know them as an individual like is this even something that's like worth their attention or obviously everyone's product is the hottest thing on the market but needless to say like is it actually one of the top priorities is it and if it's not how can i change my top track how can i adapt how can i you know kind of put the leverage or the advantage into my my favor but just help me understand who they are um and i think that goes with culturally speaking or even icp speaking like individual between gosh insert as you see fit i just want to have a better understanding so that way i'm better prepared yeah i and another point about understanding your icp and like to understand the importance of this like if you're one of the sdrs on the call right now and you were at a party and you randomly came across another sdr like it's probably going to be a pretty easy conversation like you're going to feel comfortable talking to them you're gonna have a lot to talk about it's like you know you just met them for the first time but this is a nice easy flowing conversation because you understand them you understand what they care about all of that but say you came across you know an engineer or somebody that maybe you don't have as much visibility into their lives that conversation might be a little bit more difficult you know it might be harder to strike up a conversation and like find that rapport so if you really understand the person you're calling, it's just it's just as simple as that. Like it, it's a lot easier to approach them and you know have a dialogue. So I like that you highlight that. Um, can we talk about tone? Yes, tone. I think it's uh, commonly called reading the tea leaves, right? Tone evaluation. Um, I never want to control the conversation. I never want to overbear under whatever that may be. I want to be parallel with it. Um, if they answer the phone, and this is something I developed later, if you guys are ahead of it, if you guys come in with the, the ability to do so already, miles ahead of myself. If they say hello in a certain pitch, tone, haste, uh, emotion, I need to capitalize on that. And, and I think we can all like, you get what, you know, obviously I'm going to come in a little bit more passive rather than aggressive. But of course, I think that that initial conversation, that initial spark to the conversation will tell you kind of how, where you need to be, the pace that you have, and, and obviously adjust according to. I'm a very hyperactive type A personality. Nine out of 10 of the people are not going to be on the same level as I am. So why am I going to come in to overbear the conversation like that? Um, so huge, huge fan of tone analysis. Um, you could also play it in your favor, right? And if they're a little bit more passive, and this is, again, do not take this word for, 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 for Bible, but I've noticed that a lot of people don't know how to buy. So it is up to me to teach. And through that, kind of that teaching, enabling, trying to still peel back the onion or the layers on the onion, there's that beautiful synchronicity that you can do dependent upon a certain tone um, an evaluation on that one or analysis or whatever you want to classify it as. There, there's certain characteristics that I get excited for because if I hear this, I'm going, ooh, money in the bank, baby. Or if there's something, I'm like, all right, we've been down this rabbit hole before. We know what to do. You already lost your hair. What else you got to lose? That kind of you know mantra in my in my head. So, of course, preparation is key. But then tone analysis is right after. Yeah, I mean, and I see a lot of times people post on LinkedIn like, oh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I think that's really true. Like, if you're coming to like, hey, um, is, is this Eric? And uh, versus like, hey, Eric, you know, and you like have that confidence, and like you said, you're upright, you've recorded yourself, you know how you speak. Um, and then having that component of matching your tone, that's going to have a significant impact, probably more than just like random little changes in your talk track. It's going to be like how you approach the conversation, how you make them feel. Um, and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I like how you mentioned that sometimes people don't know how to buy. I feel like a lot of times 
we as reps are looking at prospects like, oh, you know, we're trying to earn their attention and they know everything. We're just trying to be part of it. And a lot of times they don't. Like I, a really eye-opening moment for me, I was reaching out to a prospect on LinkedIn, um, eventually, you know, found a pain point and he agreed to have a conversation. He was like, oh no, like I, as a prospect, he said, I get really nervous on demos and I don't really like to, to be in those situations. So I'm going to send my coworker to do it. And that blew my mind. I was like, wait a second. Like we get nervous on these calls. They might as well. That's crazy. Like we don't always know what they're doing. Maybe they don't either. So that should help with some of your nervousness. Um, and it might've been a little bit of a tangent, but also well, you're there to be a guide. So I, I misinterpreted to that point and not to uh, capitalize on that tangent. Whenever I heard hesitancy to answer, I always thought that I was intervening or over pushing or something of that nature, right? Like they were like, yeah, or sure. A lot of the times they're just unaware of like what our main objective is here. So again, it's that a ton of valuation, but like, let's not misinterpret because of course I'll speak for myself. Whenever I heard that passiveness or like that kind of a reject, I'm going, oh crap, I'm bugging him. Oh my gosh. Like I'm overstaying my, my welcome, whatever, whatever kind of interference in that mindset. It, and it was not that it whatsoever. Lato found out that they were just like, yeah, dude, what's, what's the goal here, man? Like, what are we trying to get here? Right. So again, tangent, but well-received in the tone analysis. Well, and so speaking of what's the goal, like you need to understand their business. We talked about this a bit with understanding the ICP, but like understanding, yeah. Can you talk about this third point, the building the business acumen, what's in it for them? Like why it's a good for them to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's close to the point one, right? Business acumen is a cliche state that we use far too blanketed too much. Business acumen, I want to see the ripple effect, right? If we do implement this to the ICP or the prospect that I'm talking to, what could the later components be to gain from it? And I don't mean like, oh, if you if you implement our system, you're going to generate more revenue. Well, no kidding. Yeah. But like, how? What's the components? What's the actual business value justification of why we're actually trying to have this initial conversation, right? Like not even just a sale, just initial conversation. And I look at this from a standpoint of what's in it for me from the from their standpoint, right? Like what's in it for them? Uh, building better business acumen will just help bridge those kind of gaps in a lot of the systems that I I didn't I had a lot of naivety coming into. I was like, hey man, you're an engineer, you're gonna love my IT product because it you know it generates everybody a little bit more revenue or whatever the product value was or whatever prop value. And you're going, dude, I don't give two cents about that because like that's not like in my purview. Sure, it's a cooler idea and it's a nice to have, but having a deeper rooted like idea of the ripple effects, how it bridges, how they can synchronize, how they work with another person or another team just bridges so much gaps and in, in, in my circumstance of of calling and just generating pipeline. Yeah. And so again, to build that, looking at, you know, I know we have some eighties on the call. So you, you know, you'll you already know to look at your own calls and understand why common white people buy. If you're an SDR, like talk to your eighties, try and get access to some of those call recordings. Um, to the managers of the room, if you can, you know, communicate be that bridge between the AEs and the SDRs and help them understand the rest of the sales cycle, that's all going to have a big impact here. Um, so we do have some questions that are Q&As here um, piling up and some objections to run through. So we can just run through these last two really quickly and jump into those. Sure. sure. What's the deal? So data, data, what's hot, what's not, right? Like what's working, what's not? What are the high times, the low times to call? What are kind of the converting points? What are the... Um, where do you win, basically, in the, in, in the greater components, right? We, we look at call recordings, we look at reply rates and we look at the, but like, where do I win as an individual? Like, I know if I have three cups of coffee, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> that kind of data, but not, needless to say, like, I know my high points are from 11 AM to 12 PM 
on the prospects time, like that's, that's my golden hour. Uh, I also know that I'm not comfortable calling after 5 PM. So I'm certainly not gonna put myself in that position because it's going to come across that way. Uh, I know that for myself, I'm not great with PBOs, so I'm not going to utilize those. So again, um, higher converting to an ICP level could be another data point, um, but big on, on, on what's hot, what's not. Uh-huh. And a big, a big point here again, unfortunately is putting in the reps. Um, yeah. oh, we had a question come in with the PBO, a permission based opener. So that's kind of, Hey, I'm calling from whatever. Do you have a second to, to listen to my call? Um, but basically, um, I'm so sorry. I just lost my train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, uh, and then the, what's in it for me at the very last point, like, why am I actually reaching out to you? Why? Like, if I were to call you, why Sydney am I calling you? Um, I think we get lost in the, the quota breath as it's commonly referred to. And I just, I'm going to hit a hundred dials and I'm bound to hit one, but we lose track of like, why am I actually calling you? Right. And that's not just because you have an engineer title or blank title not because my product is the hottest thing on the market. Give, give me a reason as to why. And, and, and don't go as far as like, you know, I like, I know you like potatoes because you live in Boise, but like, give me, give me a, a core component as to, to the real reason of why we're talking. One last thing I want to add there. It's very easy to look at calls of like, oh, but you know, they didn't book a meeting. So that was a failure. Look at every call as a chance to get more information. Did you learn one thing about their tech side? Did you find one more piece of information out about their objectives or the right person to talk to? That's still a success. So if you change those ideas of like, oh, this is a waste of time if I can't get the right person on to agree to a meeting right now. Like, no, the goal of a cold call is also to gather information, to peak interest, to do market research. So all of that is valid too. Love it. All righty, let's jump into these objections. So we have a few in the Q&As. So the first person um, asked, so the, the objection situation is the prospect saying, I'm not the right person, but we're not permitted to share who the right person is to look at your platform. How do you respond to that? I think, I think that boils down to understanding the ICP. Obviously, if they're not comfortable with giving out the exact person, I would look at it in the sense like, are we trying to get to a decision maker? Are we trying to generate interest? Are we calling to just book a meeting? Like, What's our goal here? Uh, a, a lot of my calls, like you were kind of nodding to, don't convert to, to meetings, right? But I can understand process, product, implementation, status quo, whatever these kind of informational pieces that will help me in the later days. Um, that's a, that's that's also a, an overarching thing. If I'm looking at an objective, like, this is not, I'm not the right person. I, I look at it this, like I can turn it around going, if this product actually serves to this ICP, I change it to you know, Susan, I'm actually just calling to try to generate a little bit of relevance, right? Like I'm trying to make sure that this would have the impact that we are, you know, our goal is, would you be open CTA prop value to, to just exploring this with me and understanding the kind of impact it has. You could throw in a no strings attached or whatever kind of soft landing you want to give it. But, but again, it depends on the goal that you're going for. So if it's like a decision maker, you can push them a little. I, I I like to kind of push them up against a little. But if, of course, it's an ICP that you know is not the decision maker, but it could hold some value or influence, take a step back. Just go, hey, I'm looking to have some relevancy, some research and understanding uh, to, to what this process may look like. Where you would you open for just a, a very non-negotiable uh, non conversation or something of that nature. Well, and even if like in that situation, oh, I'm not the right person, I can't tell you this. Okay, completely understand. And you know, like, Unless you did your research and you're like a 90% sure the right person, if you didn't gather, they're probably telling the truth. 
Yeah. Okay. No worries. Um, just a quick question about uh, like, can you find out one piece of information? Can you learn if they have the the piece of software that you have to have to integrate with? Like, still don't take that as like, even if you can't push through and convince them to tell you who the right person is, try and get something out of that. So that's kind of the. You could also look at it in a sense of, you know, that they're not going to be decision-making titles. So if it's a large organization, you could probably take that title and cross it out, save everybody else enough bandwidth. And you could probably rinse and repeat that same system Go on, Hey, X and X title is not a decision-making title. They're not, and you get a lot of information just from that one statement. So, uh, so again, saving your bandwidth and your, your mental uh, capacity as well. We also just got a question in the chat. Um, what do you think of asking something like, Hey, I understand that I'm actually reaching out to A, B and C on your team. Mind helping who'd be the right one to talk to. So you propose that like they say, oh, we can't tell you who it is. Like, but you propose some options for them. I, I think with them saying they're not comfortable, that that kind of is a, more of just like an objection. It's like an emotional component, like, hey, this is where I have the line in the sand. I'm not comfortable. There are some organizations that if you give out that kind of public information, that is like a big no-no. Uh, so of course I don't want to press that because if they do that. Like that's a me going, okay, cool. I've hit that line in the sand of where this conversation may or may not go. Uh, cause again, if you're going <laughs> to, I'm not going to use that phrase. It's not appropriate for right now, but it is to say, if you, if you try to squeeze, <laughs> I, don't know. I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. No, you don't want to force it. You don't want to force a meeting cause it's not going to transmit into any sort of revenue, any sort of good conversation. You don't want to burn a bridge. I do what I, oh, if, if the objection was, oh, I'm not the right person then it's great if you can say, okay, I understand. And then instead of just saying, who is the right person saying, I'm chatting to these three people, can you help me like know the right direction? Like if you propose some options, so if they're not shutting you down and saying, I can't tell you, they're just saying they're not the right person, that makes for a stronger cold call if you present some options to them instead of making them do that work. So I just wanted to give that caveat. Uh, all right, we have another question. They said, when speaking about staff augmentation, and I guess the solution, and the prospect says, not interested. We do everything in house, but they didn't even hear the possible benefits. Like they're just brushing you off from the start of like, nope, we're we're not interested. Like, is it worth pushing through that? How how do you approach that? The status quo is going to be your phone. No mo. I can't believe that. Yeah, this is the first one that we've got status quo. Awesome. Yeah, twenty twenty four. Welcome to the to the year of status quo. Uh, they're everybody's got the coolest thing in house. If they built it, they have an emotional component to it. I have worked with a company that sold a product that a lot of people built in house. What happens a lot of the time is that your pain is going to be one of those like, gosh, I'm trying to use good analogies here that are appropriate. It, needless to say, you can use it in the sense of going, I've used it many times of going, oh, awesome. So X, Y, Z pain may not be an issue, right? And kind of sit there like, okay, cool. You're, uh, don't stink. But in that kind of sense, you're kind of putting them up against the wall by going, you know, obviously you've got all the nuts and bolts and it's completely working for you. Let me disqualify this call. Uh, I've used it in a sense of, cool, I don't want to pursue this anymore. You guys got all your, your nooks and crannies going. That's, that's one approach that I've used. Um, but yeah, the status quo is, is you kind of paint a picture and go, really? Come on, Susan. You try and highlight a pain point, you know, is common for people who have tried to build that in house. Oh, like, okay, cool. So you've got this part covered. Like, that's good to hear. And then maybe they'll say, uh, actually, wait, no, we don't. Is that kind of yep. what was so many times I've, I've kind of left it of going, oh, forgive me. I thought this was an issue. I saw this was an issue or talking with somebody else. They've mentioned that this was an issue. Forgive me for interrupting. Well, yeah, I guess you can say that's an issue or, or they could be able to come back and just going, no, man, we are golden sales. I'm like, awesome. Who would you want me to, you know, and you can obviously leverage that in a sense, but uh, yeah, gosh, status quo. It's, uh, it's a fickle, fickle web. 
Yeah. So I think the key there is not just taking it at face value and then being prepared. So this is where doing your homework really comes into play. But saying, oh, no, you're good. Oh, yeah. Usually when we talk to people who have built this in-house or experience XYZ, like curious how you've overcome that, you know, stuff like that, that that's going to have a pretty big impact. Um, okay. We have Eric, you get a 20 second answer for this. Um, how do you measure the success of each stage knowing where you or your reps are getting stuck? Where the call falls or actually kind of uh, moves to the next one. If I am losing my call in the first 30 seconds, or if you hear the tone when you're listening to the call recording fall in the first 30 seconds, introduction. If you hear it kind of pivoting or kind of where they lean back or lean in into the qualifying questions, attack that one. Um, yeah, I think that's the, the 20 second answer. Yeah, so this is going to take some manual analysis, but like listen through and see if there's a point where it's generally falling flat. So great yeah. question. I wish we could keep talking about this all day. Um, but I hope you took away some confidence in knowing how to proceed with your cold calls. I think you're all going to crush it. Be sure to go follow Eric on LinkedIn. He shares a lot of tips like this and you can find his link in the chat. And then also, if you want to learn more about sales, be sure to connect with us. Go to sellbetter.xyz. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok. We have our daily sales show, so we're always trying to add more value. Um, but yeah, 2024, it's the year of the cold call. Let's get after it.